The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Welcome to RealPod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick-Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to RealPod in the new year. It's 2024. I hope you had an amazing holiday break. I literally just got off a flight this morning, and I am right back at it. Here I am recording the intro. I'm so excited for you to hear today's episode on friendship. It's truly one of my favorites, and our guest is amazing. But before I introduce our guest, I have a very special and exciting announcement. I am just bursting at the seams to tell you about this. I spent the end of last year just grinding away on this project because I have always wanted to do this always from the very beginning of my start in this industry and being an entrepreneur and trying to empower people who are struggling in their own lives, whether it's with mental health, body image, confidence in general, right? To be the best version of themselves and live a really authentic life that they feel good about. And the thing that I've always wanted to do is release a course, some sort of challenge, video walkthrough where I could sit down and share my most beloved tools, takeaways, and tricks that help me stay on the offense in my own life and have allowed me to get to where I am right now. So tomorrow, I will officially be posting the sign-up link for my very first five-day challenge. It is my Confidence Kickstart Challenge. I have designed five days specifically for my community to take on the new year with their best foot forward. This is going to be an empowering experience that's going to help transform your confidence in just five days. It's about 15 minutes a day. I tried to make it really digestible and easy to incorporate no matter what your schedule is. Every single day, you can expect thought-provoking lessons led by me, customized exercises that will have you turning inspiration into action, and tools, skills, and takeaways that will last a lifetime. Like I said, these are my favorites that I always come back to. I designed this challenge out of my own life experiences, and the whole point of it was to give you the perfect kickstart to take on this year with your best foot forward. It's only $10. We priced it as low as possible so that everyone could take it, and it's just going to be so much fun. The New Year's can be overwhelming with all of this talk about resolutions and goals and changing everything, and I know because I used to feel like really bombarded by that. And then you just don't feel good about yourself at all. And then you don't do anything, right? So I really sat down 
took the time, put months into creating this quick, easy, yet insanely impactful five-day challenge that costs only $10 to help you start the new year in your best way. So don't miss out on this. It's the first of its kind. I'm so, so excited. I'm going to be taking this and doing this along with you all week long. As a RealPod listener, you are the first to know right now. It hasn't even been posted on Instagram. So if you want to be a part of this and register for my Confidence Kickstart Challenge, all you have to do is make sure you're following my Instagram because tomorrow I'm posting the registration link and you can officially sign up to take the challenge. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's tomorrow. I've been working on this since last year. Set your alarms tomorrow morning. I'm posting the registration so you can sign up for my five-day confidence kickstart challenge. I just know this is going to be amazing. And by next Friday at the end of the challenge, we're all going to be feeling such a deep sense of excitement, love, and empowerment for 2024. Yay. Okay. Well, that's that. I'm going to introduce today's guest, and you're also in for an amazing episode. After the solo I released on loneliness, where I sort of shared the struggles I've had making friends in my 20s after college, so many of you messaged me and reached out saying you relate and you have the same struggles. And I thought, how can I keep this conversation going, but this time provide everyone with tangible takeaways so that they can feel like they're set up for success? And that's why I reached out to Danielle Bayer Jackson, who is a friendship expert and coach. She's been featured in NBC, Oprah, The New York Times, and it is her full-time job to coach women on female relationships so that we can all have flourishing friendships. I learned so much in this episode. She provides so many facts, statistics. She uses me for some real-life examples. I'm like, okay, Danielle, you're calling me out here, but it's fine. That's why we have RealPod. And it's just one of my favorite conversations. I'm so glad it's our start to the year, and I hope you love it as much as I do. So without further ado, let's get started and kick off Real Pod in 2024 with this episode featuring friendship coach and expert Danielle Bayard Jackson. Danielle, welcome to RealPod. So excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I literally put out an episode on loneliness about a month ago. A lot of people really resonated with it. I was a little nervous to put it out there because it can be a stigmatized thing to be like, I don't feel like I have this thriving social life. And I do have friends, but maybe they don't live here. Or maybe, I don't know, there's just all these complications. I think especially as you get older and you have like female adult friendships and you're not in high Mm -hmm. school and college anymore. And because it was so well received, I thought, let's have an expert come in and help all of us. So thank you for taking the time. No, it's so important. And I know, especially, you know, as the new year kicks off, people are getting more intentional about, okay, who's my community? Who are my people? How do I need to like revamp my social circle? So it's so timely. And how did you get into all of this? So I was actually a high school teacher for about six years, became academic chair. And I heard my students talking. They'd come to me between classes and after school with their friendship stuff. So I kind of had a front row seat to see how their issues of connecting and belonging directly impacted their performance and their confidence. And if they came to school, you know, and so I left that world and I got into the world of public relations. And it was so funny because I'm working with these high achieving, charismatic women. And it doesn't take long before you realize, oh, they secretly, privately have their own friendship stuff. Mm -hmm. And I saw the same things from my teens, students, 
that I saw in my charismatic, high-achieving clients. And that's when I was like, okay. So at every stage of womanhood, we're trying to figure out how do I navigate relationships and, and all that good stuff. So for the past five years, I've been teaching people what the latest research has to say about women's cooperation, communication, and conflict. And I think that the key part of this too is it's not just about friendships and relationships, but the female friendship relationship Mm -hmm. aspect because of the way that I think we've all been raised to think about other women and view them as competition. And, you know, maybe things get catty when they don't need to be or things are taken personal and they don't need to be. And so what have you seen there? Are there differences between male friendships? I mean, I feel like with male friendships, not to stereotype, but like, do they even talk about their feelings <laughs> to each other? I'm no, I'm with you. Yes, I've seen all the like trending jokes on TikTok about guy friends, girlfriends, and there are differences. Now, you know, I always like to start by saying at the end of the day, we all want the same things. We want to be seen and supported, right? But yes, those relationships look very different. A couple differences is, you know, one with women, we tend to be very dyadic, meaning our friendships tend to be one to one, which is why they tend to be so deep and intimate, right? Whereas men, they kind of like to flex and have a lot of bodies in the room. They like to have a lot of guys as their friends. And so, you know, sometimes when you're with a lot of people, it affords you a certain level of anonymity. So you are lesser known because there's so many people in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And you can hide behind that. So it's different in that way. And yes, they tend to be less intimate and they tend to prioritize different things in those friendships. So they look a little different. Yes. I feel that way with my husband, Max. I'm always like, we're just going to go out with this couple or like we're going to have these people over and like it's just going to be this small intimate night of these people and he's like can we just invite the whole list and I'm like no I feel I don't know I have this I don't want to say it's like not being inclusive but I just think I can like let my guard down and have a like I know how the evening's almost going to go with these few specific people as opposed to like this larger thing where then we might have to do something I don't want to do. And I don't know. It just feels like overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get you. It's sometimes the more people there are, the less depth you have in conversation or you've got to work the room or it's more difficult to kind of manage reciprocity in the conversation because you're trying to tend to everybody. And so I totally see how you'd probably prioritize having a certain number of people to maintain like a certain chemistry and closeness. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, I've honestly never even thought of it that way, but how you just described it is so true. It's almost like, you're turning on this, you know, how do I make sure I'm everywhere at once Mm -hmm. and make sure everyone here likes me and I've talked to all these people and it can be like a lot of pressure. And I think that that kind of leads itself to social anxiety and sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe think people thinking, well, I feel safe when I'm alone. I don't have to act any certain way. I'm comfortable. And when I do have people around, maybe I have to change or what if they won't like the real me? And that can be scary. Yeah. And you know what's so funny is there's a direct connection between what you're saying and that topic of loneliness. Because for a lot of people, when we think about loneliness, I think we are reluctant to claim that title because a lot of us do conjure up an image of the person crying alone in the corner of a dark room. I'm like, well, that's that's not me. You know, like I have but loneliness is less about a lack of relationships. It's more about how you feel about the relationships you do have. That's why we so often see these extroverts or high profile people. And they feel totally isolated and they feel like they're not seen or understood. So it's about how you feel about your relationships. In fact, the longest running study on happiness out of Harvard, they found that the number one thing that determines your overall well-being and life satisfaction is the quality of your relationships, not income status, not marital status. So we do need to start thinking about, okay, it's less about do I have friends, but how do I feel about the friendships I'm holding on to? Mm Mm-hmm. 
and realizing a friendship doesn't serve you anymore and then either breaking that off or slowly fading it can be tough for people. And I think that's something I've realized as well is you don't have to be friends with someone your entire life. Yeah. You know, the research supports that too. There's some studies that suggest that we replace about half of our friends every seven years. And so I hope that that shows us there is like this natural pruning that should be expected in your friendships, you know? And so hopefully for people who feel guilty, especially women, when we feel guilty about a friendship that didn't work out, we do tend to go toward, you know, I failed or I guess I'm not good at friendship or what does that say about me? But to some extent, it's expected that some of these relationships would not evolve to fit your current friendship objectives or your worldviews, which hopefully have evolved. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most common hurdle that women face that prevents them from having these flourishing friendships? Two things. The first is there's research that shows, and I hate to like nerd out. I'm always like, there's research. Are you kidding? I love it. It just helps to kind of like contextualize (laughs) our experiences. But there is research that shows that the number one thing women look for in their friendships is emotional support. But the tricky thing about that is it's so relative. So one of the things I hear most often with clients and people I work with is, is I just feel like she didn't support me. And my next question is always, okay, now what would that look like to you? Like if I were watching her support you, what do I see? Because we're walking around using the same language and have different ideas. So she might be thinking, I, I am doing a good job. I'm, I'm texting you. And, you know, during your breakup, I'm texting. But she wants you to come over. She mm. wants you to make the trip and come sit with her, you know? So so we're walking away with different ideas of what support ought to be. And then we subscribe to the idea that, well, women have women's intuition. So I shouldn't have to say it like you should know, you know, which is so funny because we don't really do that in any other relational context. You know, if you need something at work, you know, you have to express it. If you need something from your boo, you're like, babe, we mm-hmm. need to talk. But we subscribe to this idea that women's friendships especially should be easy, natural, and organic. And because you're another woman, you should know. I shouldn't have to say that. And I secretly feel like me having to say it will detract from the chemistry we're supposed to have. So that's like the number one thing. And then the second I would say is- Which, I, I'm sorry, did you just pull that from my literal mind? I did, <laughs> I did. Before I got here, I was like, well, what do you think? That is have you a, had that experience? Literally, Danielle, that is my current struggle. And mm. I've been working on this with my therapist is like, I'll say, I don't think people show up for me or they don't check in on me as much or they don't know something's wrong. And literally like the other day I was, I don't know if I'll cry now. This is a lot of emotions, but I was like sobbing in my car about something that's going on in my life. And in that moment, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do right now? Text my friend and say, just so you know, I'm sobbing and having a really hard day. Like, I don't want to do that. But then when my friend calls me later that day or week and says, hey, how are you? Of course, I'm going to say, oh, I'm good, like blah, 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 because it's the top of the call and like, hey, how are you? Is It's not like, have you been struggling with anything this week? I think I've realized that as to your point of like, we want them to read our minds. I'm doing that, which isn't fair to my friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not giving them room to support me or space to reach out and help me if when they slightly crack open the door. I slam it shut. Like, oh no, everything's good. And how's your day? And you tell me about this thing you're going through. 
Now that Max and I moved, we are very close to like three different grocery stores, which is amazing. And so I've been having these very main character energy moments where I'm strolling the grocery store and trying new things. And I know that I am very behind on this trend because Vita Coco is the number one coconut water brand in the US. Even I recognize the packaging instantly. This stuff is delicious. Coconut water has so many nutrients to supercharge you and make you feel good. It's incredibly hydrating. And I didn't know this before, but coconut water has electrolytes. So Vita Coco can replenish any key electrolytes, which is awesome. If you don't know where to start, my favorite flavor is the original. We love a classic. And once again, this is the number one coconut water brand in the entire country. So they're doing something right here. You can take 25% off and get Vita Coco shipped to your door by using code REALPOD on VitaCoco.com. That's code REALPOD, all caps, no spaces, on VitaCoco.com. If you prefer to shop in store, find Vita Coco at most big name grocery stores in your city, as well as in superstores like Walmart, drug stores like CVS, I love a good CVS, and your local convenience stores. Once again, you can take 25% off and get Vita Coco shipped to your door by using code REALPOD on VitaCoco.com. That's V-I-T-A-C-O-C-O.com. And if you prefer to ship in store, find Vita Coco at most big name grocery stores in your city. This episode is sponsored by Heineken Zero Zero. This is an alcohol-free option to the original Heineken that you love. It has 100% of the taste, but 0.0% alcohol. I love alcohol-free drinks because I think it's inclusive to everyone, whether you want to have a great time or you like beer, but you can't have the alcohol. Heineken Zero Zero is the perfect option. And actually, you all know, Natalie and Aubrey were both talking about this on last week's New Year's episode about how they are sober curious and wanting to limit their alcohol intake. And so drinks like Heineken Zero Zero are the perfect option. It's kind of like you're giving up alcohol for dry January without really giving up drinking. Think about all the things like a Friday night birthday party with an early morning run. Well, now you can. Or working lunch with an afternoon presentation. Now you can. Having a drink after your workout, now you can. Heineken Zero Zero has 100% taste, but 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Click the link in the RealPod show notes to buy now. You must be 21 years of age or older to purchase. And please enjoy Heineken responsibly. We love responsible humans. So once again, click the link in the show notes to buy now. You must be 21 years or older to purchase. Heineken Zero Zero is 100% taste, 0.0% alcohol, and absolutely delicious. So click the link in my show notes to buy now and please enjoy Heineken responsibly. The moment of the sobbing in the car where it's a vulnerable moment and you need support. What is it that's to account for that reluctance? What is it? Honestly, I think it's just this really tough mindset on myself of like, well, you're going to be fine. No one's going to die. Why ruin someone else's day? Just deal with your shit and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like I minimize it so much. And also I think when I'm going through something my friends haven't been through, it's also just this like, they're never going to get it. Mm -hmm. And so what's the point? But then if I do that every single time, the problem keeps continuing over year and year and year. And then they're like farther behind and even being able to be there for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, a lot of us, 
all of us, we want to feel close. We want platonic intimacy in some of our friendships. I'm going to feel like I can show up, be myself. But we sometimes do things that block that. And so those moments, I'm sure you know your friends love you. They are eager for an opportunity to show up for you. They're eager. They're happy when you called and they got a chance to be like, okay, I hear you. It's going to be okay. They get a thrill from that to be able to do that. And then you all are closer afterwards. So sometimes we don't make direct connections between am I allowing myself to be vulnerable with my friends and then feeling I feel isolated. No one understands, but keeping it to ourselves. There's this like fresh report from the American Psychological Association. It's like stress in America 2023. And I think it's 60% of adults say they feel this chronic ongoing stress, but will not tell their friends because they don't want to burden them. So to some extent, it is on us to reap the benefits of what friendship is supposed to offer, which is people who are happy to be like, what's going on? And maybe we can manage our expectations of what we expect from them. I don't expect them to have the skills of a therapist, but just for somebody to be a witness to my pain in the moment and to listen. Yeah. You know? That's another problem I have is I'm like, Danielle, come help everyone. Meanwhile, me making this my own therapy You're like, session. hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> hypothetically speaking, if asking for a friend, myself, my expectations and standards are so high. And that over the past three years, this is something I've been really good at working on is recognizing the standards I set for friends and new friends are impossible. I'm comparing them to childhood best friends. That's just not fair. I'm expecting every friend to be the listening friend, the party friend, the relationship friend, the funny friend. And it's like, no, one person can serve this purpose and another person can be your fun friend and you don't get deep with her. And that's totally fine. And then this is your deep friend who you don't go out with. Like, so I've been better at that. But I think the expectation piece is huge when we like look in the mirror I also wanted to ask, like talking about solutions, how would I, how would someone else who maybe feels the same way, let their friend know, I want you to show up for me more, or I wish you would have handled it this way. You know, I've had moments where I feel like I've given them a clue or a signal and they don't follow up on it or they don't ask about it or they don't, mm. you know, and I don't know, maybe it's Maybe they think that they don't want to bring it up because I seem happy today. So mm -hmm. they're like, let's not bring up when I thought that she was sad. Yeah. I've heard two things to account for that. I've heard people say exactly what you just said. I I don't want to bring it up, you know, because she's she seems fine today. I don't want to like bring her down by bringing it up again. And then also a lot of people are not emotionally equipped. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to sit in like a moment of discomfort feels really awkward for them. And so it feels easier to just be like, all right, girl, you're good. Like, you're going to be fine. You know, so some people are not equipped. But to your point of being able to say, hey, I think I need this. I think it's really helpful as long as it's framed as more of an invitation instead of an accusation. So, for example, if you have a friend who you're telling her about something you're struggling with and she's the friend who always ties it back to herself. And it's like, okay. No, I, Danielle, I literally just had that. And the way that once this person started doing that, I just thought to myself, like, there's no hope. I'm like, just don't even like, and I literally was just like, mm, yeah. And then we like moved on mm -hmm. and I was like, great. And I got absolutely nothing from that. Right. And your yeah. problem is as half the size right. of mine that I'm not even telling you fully because of this. Right. You're like, oh, I'm so sad that your shoelaces broke today, but I'm having a <laughs> mental breakdown. Yeah. yeah. No, I think um, in those times or maybe later, if it feels too raw, like in the moment or they're not letting jump in, you know, to say like, hey, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something, but I just need to talk about my thing. 
can I just like roll and talk about my thing for a second or to kind of help them see what their role is like is helpful. And I think sometimes people need that guidance because, again, everyone thinks they are offering adequate support. Like if you ask the average person, we're all going to be like, yeah, I definitely am supportive of my friends. So she's probably attempting to let you see that you're not alone. You know, if you're like, man, today was really hard. Oh, my God, I know what you mean. I had a hard day, too. Let me tell you about it. Not realizing that you just want somebody to listen and say, oh, my God, that really sucks. Yeah. So and I think the trigger there, too, for me and probably people as well, (laughs) is that I'm always in the support listening role. Always like and I have to catch myself now to stop overextending it to people because I'm always the one, call me if you ever need anything. I'll help you out. And I mean that. And I love that shit. Like I literally love it. But because I've done that so much, it's like, I think everyone who knows me closely has just gotten used to Vic always has her shit together. Vic's always fine. She never needs us, but she's always there to carry and like give advice and support with all of our stuff, you know? So then when I'm in a conversation and they are trying to relate in a totally innocent way, And like, here I am back in my helper role when I need help. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because in those moments, you know, you can even say, you know, you can call during the sobbing moment or during a frustrated moment and say, you know, I just need to vent for like 10 minutes. I just really want to process this with you. Just let me get it out, you know, and with a smile, let me get this out. Okay. You know, so I'm offering a framing for the conversation. So you know what role to play. I just need you to listen. And I need to get this out. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and for some friends, I I enjoy packaging things in humor. That's just my way. So some friends, you know, let's say she does tie it back to herself. And, you know, you could say, yeah, Tanya, that's really hard. Hold on. Let me get my thing out. Okay. I'm going to let you shine. I'm going to let you shine. <laughs> but girl, let me finish because I got to get this off my chest. I don't want to bring it up again. You know, mm-hmm. so it's playful. But my subtext is I'm going to need you to listen. You know, and again, the right people are eager to have that data so that they know how to love you well in the moment. Yeah. Then that right people piece is so important. And I do feel grateful for the friends I've had. I, you know, one of my best friends recently, I said like, hi, like, I think it was on text. I was like, I would appreciate if you just like checked in on me more in like a really sweet way. And and she was like, got it on it, checking in. I'm here, you know, like, and to what you said earlier, oh, I forgot to tell you this, but I had one of my friends be like, when I was like, I don't want to make your day negative and you're in such a good place and I'm going to call you and bring you down with all my shit. And she was like, are you kidding me? I fucking mm. live to help you and like hear your stuff and like be your best friend in this moment. Like, don't take that from me, you know? Yeah. And it was like so nice to have that assurance because I think that anxious voice or when we start to feel depressed and sad convinces us, don't tell anyone, no one cares. You're going to burden them. Mm-hmm. And, but if the roles were reverse, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that, but then sometimes I do feel burdened with all my friends' things. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad that you had that experience of a friend being like, I got it. I got what you need. Please tell me your stuff. Because again, it goes back to that claim we all make. I want platonic intimacy. I want to feel known while also measuring what we share. And so realizing, okay, I'm going to let myself feel weak, gentle, soft, unequipped, incompetent. I'm going to let myself feel those things in this moment because I need my friend's help. And I also want to be known by them. And that's one of those, you know, that's one of the ways that we achieve that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for all of this lovely advice on <laughs> clearly my personal issues. Another thing that I'd love your help with is, and was supposed to be the point of this episode, is how to make more friends. And I feel like I grew up with this. I had a mom that said, and I love this, mm-hmm. it's not about having 
hundreds of friends. It's quality over quantity. A few that really have your back that you love and trust is way more important than this large group of people to show around, but no one's really there for you. I probably took that a little too to heart and (laughs) I have strength in numbers, but none of my close friends from home live in LA and I'm out here Mm. in this new city. No, I've been here for five years, but I've been here for longer. But since graduating college, it feels like this new chapter. But it's hard to make friends. I work alone. You know, how do we how do we make friends? How do we get close with women? And then also when we feel like we don't have time. Mm -hmm. You're saying so many good things. So first, okay, let's frame this in some context. The first is you're absolutely right that having, you know, quality over quantity, for sure. There's research that suggests that we only have the cognitive capacity to maintain three to five super close, super close relationships. Okay. Which makes sense because of the time that's required and you're showing up for them, they're showing up for you. Right. Including family. Including family. So super close relationships. No wonder. I'm I know. So and people are like, out. wait, I have three close sisters. I'm screwed. I have no. dead ass like 10 people like that. Okay. It's no, but here's, here's the thing though. Like if we look at these kind of like concentric circles, right? Like getting bigger and bigger. So the inner circle has that three to five. But the ring outside of that is 10 to 15 of close relationships. So, you know, there's still room. We need all those layers, by the way. That's a whole other thing. But we need all those layers of closeness. In fact, there's other research that suggests that people who have relational diversity are happier than people who don't, meaning you need all kinds of different people. They give you access to resources. They teach you things. They give you support, you know, but we might not be super close, but you add value to my life. This little loose relationship we have adds value. So I need people. Those are called weak ties. We need those close relationships, but we need those weak ties as well, right? Right. So I want to start there for people on their friend making journey who are like, well, how many? What's normal? What do I do? You know, you got to be strategic. So for my introverts, like you need those ties, even if they're loose. And for my extroverts, you know, it's nice that you have all these ties. But if we want to also achieve platonic intimacy, you're going to have to get strategic. Who are the three to five that you're like, you know what? I'm going to be intentional about them instead of trying to have coffee dates with 15 people and then being like, I'm exhausted. I'm overextended. And I feel lonely, mm-hmm. you know, so we got to we got to figure that out. So that's really important. Just like strategy. Right. But to your point about making friends in time, it is tricky. They find that it takes about 34 hours to turn somebody from a, an acquaintance to a friend. And so whenever we hear that, we're like, where am Don't I going to find? Don't tell that to my type A brain. I'm going to be charting the <laughs> like, hours mm-hmm. I spend with people. Got it. Excel sheet <laughs> like, on it. Fuck yes, we're yeah. close to 34. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, always, I often joke. I'm like, if you could see like a little counter on her head after coffee, like, okay, we're at 31. Okay. Do you want to see a movie? Yeah. 34 hours. And this could happen over the period of like five months because making friends is a process. So, you know, it doesn't have to be all in one week, you know, over a couple months, we're getting to know each other. But making friends can be really tricky. One suggestion I like to give people is to let leverage technology that's getting increasingly popular. And so for people who do say, I I don't know that I have the time to be hanging out and spending hours on end, you know, this helps you to expedite the process. So I know Bumble for Friends is super popular, especially, you know, with Gen Z, but it's getting popular for more people. And it lets you define your people. So from the very beginning, you can say, I'm looking for somebody for playdates. I'm a new mom. I'm looking for, so you can put what you're looking for. And for people who are like nurses or they work unconventional hours. People like that with weird schedules, but they're trying to find like-minded people might find that to be really, really helpful. So leveraging technology is helpful. And then also, you know, you said you have a lot of long distance friends and I'm hearing that from people. I suspect that, you know, the pandemic, more people working remote. Now you don't feel like you have to stay in one area, but you also need people who are close by. 
to have shared experiences with. So, you know, it's no threat to the besties who are miles away, but you need people you can go to dinner with and you can see in real time and and laugh and, and all the things because that connects us. So that's helpful too. And then having what I call a friendship ritual is another thing if you're trying to like deepen relationships. So that means there's just a recurring time that you guys see each other. So maybe it's Fridays at 10 o'clock, you guys do a FaceTime for 30 minutes. It removes the mental labor of trying to figure out when are we spending time together? I already know like clockwork. I'm seeing you every Friday. It also offers another layer of security to the friendship. I don't have to figure out, am I going to see you this month or whose turn is it to initiate? Remove the mental labor, security. I'm going to see my girl. I see her every Friday. You know, so kind of instilling those things as well is really helpful to making friends. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite and longest RealPod sponsors that I take every single day, and that is AG1. Taking care of our health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last four years now, because we're in 2024, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it just makes me feel nourished, strong, and ready to take on the day. And it's the perfect base layer to give your body all those important nutrients that it needs to be successful. And then I eat my breakfast, my lunch, dinner, snacks on top of it. But I know I have this amazing base of AG1 because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful habit for your health that's also powerfully simple. I'm not someone that likes to take tons of vitamins and tons of supplements and tons of powders. It's just too much for me. I keep things simple. And that's another reason why AG1 is the best is not only is it providing my body with all these important nutrients, but it's literally just one daily scoop with water, shake, 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 drink, 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 and I am done. So if there's one product that I had to recommend to elevate your health, it truly is AG1. And that is why I've partnered with them for so long. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash realpod. That's drinkag1.com slash realpod. Check it out. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of the biggest things I was looking forward to after this big holiday break, which that's tough. You're usually not looking forward to things after a giant break, but I missed therapy. I took two weeks off and I am so excited to be back this week catching up with my therapist and really talking through a lot of the things I experienced this holiday season and really figuring out where I want to go this new year. And look, around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really create a meaningful life. I love therapy. I literally could talk anyone's ear off about it. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, then switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made and visit betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P dot com slash realpod to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P dot com slash real pod. We might have a friend that we're super close with and we've known forever, but like a romantic relationship and romantic partner is, I guess, I think I saw this thing that was like, we'll move for family and Mm -hmm. romantic partners, but we'd never move for friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that honestly, like I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about my best friends and I was like, do I really want to live the rest of my life away from like my freaking girls who like are my ride or dies? Like, why am I, why are we all choosing to be in different cities? Yet if you fell in love with someone in Russia, one of you would move. Mm -hmm. And that's just like a boyfriend you've known for six months. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm seeing like TikTok content of people who are like building big houses with their friends, raising their kids together is like a new, I don't want to say trends, but I think people are right where you are, where it's like, wait a second, why am I not next to my people if I can help it? Why am I not like right down the street from my bestie? And when you look at the quality of your life, you do have to think about things like that. If it adds quality to my life to be around people who can help me, who can, who I can pop over in the street, they can offer support and and walk like two blocks. What am I willing to do to make that happen? Because I want that quality of life. Yeah. So I don't think it's totally crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can do the trying to make more friends first. And that's my backup plan. So I loved what you said about it's time spent experiences. Anything else when it comes to maybe vulnerability? Like what are some of the other key ways we can develop closeness with new people? So this is not a popular opinion. Okay. I know there's lots of jokes about like oversharing. I can already see the comments. Okay. But I know there's lots of comments about like oversharing and, and things like that. I want to offer this. The best way I've heard vulnerability defined is you're taking a risk of rejection, right? This might not go well, but I'm going to put myself out there anyway, right? Vulnerability, we already know, is necessary to creating depth in a friendship. In fact, there's something called the beautiful mess effect. The idea is that we tend to like people more after they've been vulnerable with us. So definitely a good thing. The beautiful mess effect. Beautiful mess, baby. Yeah. However, Most of us would consider some vulnerable topics to be like childhood trauma, addictions, sex, hygiene, money, things like that. We're kind of like, oof, okay, right? But there are a lot of people who lean into their very first conversations with people talking about all those things. And that's what they do. They talk about a lot of big, heavy things with new people right up front. And I would argue. Oh, God, is it good or bad? (laughs) I would argue that for people who feel very comfortable talking about that right up front it is no longer vulnerability because the whole point is i feel like there might be a risk here but i'm going to share anyway for a person who enjoys like i enjoy talking about all these things that other people are uncomfortable with vulnerability is relative so you need some real authentic vulnerability where this feels risky but i feel like i want to share it right now right there's something about it that feels intentional it's not an overshare so i'm just dumping right and i've also noticed some people who will share a bunch of heavy things because they're trying to expedite the process of closeness. And it doesn't work like that because sometimes, sometimes 
other people will think like, oh, gosh, we don't even really know each other. And she was sharing really, really big things or really personal things. And sometimes it makes them uncomfortable because of the law of reciprocity. So now they feel like they have to share a big thing, too. So, again, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. Right. Because for one person, it's not an overshare for somebody else. It does. So you got to gauge. But when we talk about closeness, are you trying to manufacture it by sharing all the big stuff? What is the rush? I would ask, what's the rush? Is it a trust thing? You don't trust that they'll be there. So you're testing them up front. Like, what is it? Is it anxiety? And it makes you just dump it. Getting to know each other is a process, you know? So it's just something to be intentional about when you are deciding to be vulnerable. But I already know people are like, oh my God. No, I so think- it's just something to think about. Yes, I think that's all so powerful. I think I'm guilty of the trying to rush the closeness. Mm -hmm. The times I can think of though, like sharing a lot up front, I mean, it was reciprocated back. And I want to say- that these people were comfortable. We still Good. are friends and working on our friendship. But I think one of my, and anyone who's listened to RealPod for more than 10 episodes can tell this, but I like make a decision and I want it to happen. And mm -hmm. so I can see myself having this underlying sense of urgency of like, I like this person. I want to be friends. So let's just have these deep shares and then we can like be at level two, you know, which is not always the best way to approach it. I agree with you. And then secondly, when you said, is it vulnerability if it's easy for you? And I've never heard it. I've never heard that said before. And I, I think that that's something I need to think about because it is easy for me, I guess, to be vulnerable about the scope of things I've been vulnerable about sure. online for like five years. So what are the things that are hard for me? Like the asking for help, like the saying I'm Correct. not okay when I'm okay. And I think I even had a friend recently say to me something along the lines of like, you're not as vulnerable as like you say you are. It was like something like that. It wasn't as like curt as I'm saying it now. And I almost think what she was trying to explain is like that divide between like how open I can be about all of these things that for the normal person, their whole life, they'd never be open about those things. Yet there's these other things that are maybe the like important like peanut butter that goes in between the bread that I'm not. But I think that I'm so vulnerable because of this other bubble. Yeah, I just see people using the word vulnerable like synonymously with I'm comfortable talking about mental health. And, and I think that's all great. And again, it's all relative. It depends on your audience and content and all that. But ask yourself, what are the things that feel like a genuine risk to me? Like I'm not doing it because that feels too close. That's what that is. Mm. And I also want to argue, too, that it's not just for negative heavy stuff like, OK, I'm going to share about my childhood or addiction. But this is that's that's one form. But remember, we said vulnerability is risk. So that could also look like I meet a new friend. We go to coffee and I find myself thinking like, OK, she's amazing. She's funny. She's smart. I want to hang out with her again. But I don't know if I want to say it because that will look really clingy. Vulnerability is also the positive stuff. It's also saying, hey, yesterday was really fun. And if you're down for it, I would love to do that again. There's a risk here because mm -hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know if you're just being polite. So that is vulnerable, too. To say I need help is vulnerable, too. So what are the things that we find we're holding back because it feels like a genuine risk or that we might be perceived differently? One last example I want to give, especially for women, is we fear shining in front of one another. That's vulnerable. To tell my friends, I got a raise or the guy I've been hanging out with asked me to be exclusive or I got a new apartment. Do I feel safe to say these things happened 
Or am I like, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to look like I think I'm all that. So I'm not going to do that. That's vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of women friends especially, can I shine here? Or does that make me vulnerable? Does it feel uncomfortable to tell you the good things that are happening in my life? So really rethinking vulnerability as risk, what feels like a genuine risk. I love that. That's, I think, something that I've wanted to make sure is a foundation in all my friendships is we're not going to have jealousy. We're going to be so excited mm -hmm. for each other. And that's been, I think, a really important with a lot of my closest friends. Well, the last thing to touch on vulnerability, I think what I'm realizing too is it was vulnerable at the first time I ever did it. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, 100 keynotes later, 200 podcasts later, it's not that raw risk feeling because I've I've done it and I've said it and I'm safe and I've been appreciated and recognized and celebrated for it. So it's not a risk. So thank you for sharing that with me. That will be for, forever something that sticks with me. So I really appreciate that. Good. I'm glad. The very last thing I want to talk to you about is having tough conversations with our friends. It can be so hard. And why is it so easy for us to have that discussion or debate with our partner or with a parent or with a sibling yet with a friend it's like we never want to have confrontation can you talk about the best way to have confrontation with a friend what it can do for the friendship and any advice on it yeah I've made those same observations like why can I talk to my husband about things that are like hard or be like babe you need to get it together you know I wonder if it's because friendship itself is such a voluntary, elective, ambiguous relationship. You know, it's not this strong social institution like a marriage. Like we know our spouse is going to be there, like that I can say these things and you're going to be there for the most part. But with friends, I mean, we fall into them. We fall out of them. It's kind of blurry. So I think there's maybe less security to say, hey, can we talk about what you said last night? Because it made me uncomfortable. So we're scared about that, right? I think the added pressure for women is, we don't want to look like we're being difficult. We don't want to look like we're being sensitive. We don't want to look like we're being drama. So I'm just not going to bring it up because I don't want to look like I'm being drama, right? So I think there's some of that of maintaining our appearance with friends as well, which maybe societal pressures of women to look a certain way. So I think all these things make it kind of difficult. And then finally, I think it's because, again, if we subscribe to the idea that for women, it should just be like natural, like friendship should just be like, we just have this chemistry then for, we feel that conflict. I, I don't know this why I'm saying like that. This is all so accurate. Like, we think... Everything you've said the past, <laughs> like the whole episode, but especially this answer is like so true. Oh yeah. I'm just thinking, yes, 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 yes. We're all guilty of it. We we all are. But it's, it's almost like we kind of believe that we shouldn't have conflict because there should be chemistry so that whenever there is tension that arises, a lot of us take that as evidence that we're not as compatible as I thought we were. But we have conflict in literally every other context. And we talk about our progress with one another in every other context, right? It's normal to ask, you know, your partner like, hey, are we okay? We doing okay? Am I good? Like, what do you need from me is normal. On your job, we have performance reviews. We have a dedicated time to say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. But it feels weird in a friendship to talk about the friendship that feels too intense. It's like, girl, I'm not your man. Back off, you know? But we got to get, like, comfortable with that. So hard conversations are important. There's research that shows that we are closer after healthy conflict. So for those of us who are like, I feel lonely, it might be lying on, you know, on the other side of a hard conversation you need to have. It might be like the missing piece, right? Instead of just sitting on it. But I like to suggest starting a conversation by saying the reason you're reluctant to have it in the first place. So I'll ask clients, I'll say, okay, why do you not want to have this talk? 
And they'll say a range of things. Oh, well, I don't want her to get our mutual friends involved. And it's a whole thing. I don't want her to start being weird and withdrawing or get an attitude. So I might start with that sentence. I might say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something, but I've been putting it off because the last thing I want is for it to be weird between us. But I also feel like it's like really important for us to be on the same page. So right there, I'm framing it as like, I'm scared of this thing happening, but I feel like we're worth the conversation. So she knows I'm doing this for us. I'm not coming at you. I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come at you. I love that. So that's kind of helpful. And then also to ask more questions and statements. So a lot of times we go into it like, this was not okay. And then you said this at the party. That's not okay. And I mean, anybody's going to defend themselves, right? So being more curious, like, hey, you know, at the party last night, you said X, Y, Z. And I'm telling myself a story about what you meant. But I just wanted to ask you, like, what did you mean by that? Because this is my chance. This is a chance for her to say, you're right. That was not okay. I'm sorry. There's no need for a conversation. She might explain herself and you're like, okay, I saw it differently. But to ask questions, to really be curious. But the irony is in friendships, we're like, I know her so well. I know exactly what her motives were. I know exact because I know how she is. But is there any room for benefit of the doubt or curiosity in our friendships? What did you mean by that? Mm. You know, or if she's constantly late, it's not you're always late. I feel like that's disrespectful of my time. (laughs) I mean, anyone's going to be like, girl, you know, but instead, you know, Hey, I noticed the last couple of times we got together, you weren't able to really get there on time. Do you want to start doing things like at a different time? Or are we hanging out at a place that's like way too far away from your house? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and that was sarcasm. Because then I'll be like, I mean, is I it too late or no. too far? You no, know, no, no, I know what you mean. I'm just I'm just giggling because it's like so I I love it. It's like it's like when, you know, like you're just a fucking late person and you're like, what's the nicest way I can address this with this person? But I will say I love the curiosity approach. Mm-hmm. I think about that in work all the time when someone misses a deadline or they're just they're not performing in work instead of being like you making a statement. I always like to be like, hey, like noticing this just wanted to check in because then you give them the opportunity to say like my dog died or something versus when you come in like you're always late and they're like well my dog died and I'm like well I suck now (laughs) like you know you at least give yourself a back door yeah yeah that's really tricky but it helps because it shows people like this is a dialogue I'm not coming at you wow (laughs) you are unreal such an expert so helpful so informative like Thank you so much, Danielle. I know this was so helpful for me, obviously. <laughs> I hope it was helpful for the listeners and the RealPod community. So thank you so much. And I think what you do is super important. And I don't know, maybe if anyone out there is looking for help, they can become one of your new clients. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we we all need the support. And I'm so glad that you know, you're know you facilitating a moment to talk about it so that I hope people listening are like, okay, it's not just me. You know, and kind of normalize these tensions and friendship because they're totally natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of 
upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.